Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Hello? Hello? Oh, hi. Wow, so nice to see everybody here this morning. Man, this is the place to be, the 10 o'clock service. This is the service that I always strive to be at, but I never get to because I'm like, oh, I'll just sleep in five more minutes, five more minutes, five more minutes, and then it's almost the 11.31, so I always end up going to that one. But I'm glad that you guys made it here today. So welcome here, and welcome to those of you online. Yes, I see you online. Uh, Usually, I'm actually the one in a closet directing and switching from the different cameras. So it's good to see the, not see the online people, but I know that they can see me, so hello. Right now, the, for the people online, the one directing you is Silas, so he's going to guide you throughout your journey, this service. <laughs> but yeah, I've been involved in a bunch of different places here, as Pastor Claude was saying, or as I like to call him, Papa C. Um, that's not actually what I call him. I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> I'm really, uh, I've been everywhere around this church, it seems like, but I'm excited to be here and to share what I feel like God had put on my heart to share with you all this morning. And really what it boils down to is what we were singing in these songs. And that's really the heart of today's message, and that is to make room for God, to be in his presence, to be in his glory that just surrounds and permeates and moves in us. And that's what I want to talk about. But I want to talk about it from the perspective of these pilgrim songs that we find in the book of, well, the Psalms. And the book of the Psalms are are amazing because it really captures so many different human emotions. And I found myself reading it so much because I have so many emotions and I don't really know how to deal with them most of the time. So I'm just reading these Psalms out loud and I'm like, yeah, yeah, David, that makes sense. Yeah, cool. But it really speaks to our soul, and they meet us in so many different circumstances. And I was reading these psalms, specifically Psalms 120 to 134, and this is almost a hymn book. They were compiled together to, to... to help the pilgrims who were on their way to Jerusalem. So it's this hymn book of psalms that are encouraging the pilgrims. And see, at the time of the Israelites, they would make pilgrimages to Jerusalem because they'd have a bunch of different festivals. I think they'd have three in a year. So they would go there annually to be in Jerusalem and, and to have festivities. And in this place, there would be unity, there would be a good time. But What really mattered, what really drew them in, is that this was where the Lord dwelt. Jerusalem was the mountain of the Lord. This is where the temple was. This is where his presence was. So they wanted to journey there. And many of them would come from very distant lands. They'd come from the valleys of Jericho, and they'd have to climb all the way to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem uh, isn't just in like some flat valley like over here. It's up in some cliffs. It's up in some hills. So they, it was almost like a two to five day journey for most of them walking all the way up there. Now we can just like take a scooter and be like all the way up. But they had to actually journey all the way up there. So it was like a physical journey in the sense that they had to walk there. But it was also a spiritual journey 
because there that was the mountain of the Lord. This is where God was. So it was a spiritual and physical ascent. And luckily, we don't have to make a physical journey to Jerusalem to be in the presence of the Lord because of what Jesus has done. So amen to that. But we are often, I think we're in a similar journey, though, as the pilgrims were. See, the pilgrims, they were longing for the Lord. They were wanting to be with him. So the, the Psalms, the, the songs of ascent begin with Psalms 120, and it says this. It says, I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. So it begins with this cry. It begins with this lament, this needing of something more. The, 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 the psalmist was in troubles, and they were needing the Lord, and they cried out to him. They were crying out to him. And as the psalm continues, it describes that, th that they're stuck in this place full of people who are deceivers, full of people who are longing for war, that they're striving for peace, but all they find is war, ruin, and pain. But they're longing for Jerusalem, this place of peace. And what I love about peace in, in, in the meaning in the Hebrew, shalom, it means the place of wholeness, fulfillment. It's not just tranquility. It's how things ought to be. It's how things should be. And this is only found in the Lord, in the presence of the Lord where he is. So this is what they were longing for. This is what the psalmist was crying after. And we can presume that they found the answer to their prayer in the presence of the Lord, in the temple. Because as the, the songs of ascent end, the psalmist writes in 134, 1-3, Oh, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, you who serve at night in the house of the Lord. Lift your hands towards the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Jerusalem. So this is why they made this journey. Because their help came from the Lord. Their hope was in the Lord, so they make a pilgrimage there. And I think we're all kind of on the similar journey as this psalmist is and these pilgrims are. We're all longing for this place of peace. We're all longing for this place of security, fulfillment. I mean, everybody has an innate desire to mean something and to have purpose and significance. But the thing is, we can look in so many different places to find that, and some of those things just don't really make the cut. Only God does. But I don't know where you are all at in your journey. So my question to you is, where are you at right now? Where is your fulfillment? Where is your peace? Is it in financial gain, financial success, having stability, you know, a 401k and everything? Maybe you're trying to find validation from what other people think of you. Maybe you're trying to find peace in, or find fulfillment in relationships of certain kinds. Or maybe you're barely holding on to where you are right now and you're just making it day by day. But this sermon this morning, hopefully, is for wherever you're at. It's an exhortation for you to set your eyes on our Lord and Savior, to set our eyes on the one who actually brings true fulfillment. And there's a couple different things that we can learn from the pilgrims as they were ascending. And as we saw in that one verse, the first thing that they did was they, were, they cried out to the Lord. They sought after the Lord. And it, I, th I think this is a very crucial part. And this is something that uh, the psalmist speaks about in, in that first verse. But they were crying out to the Lord because they realized that where they were at 
wasn't good enough. Where they were at wasn't enough. It was crumbling. All they had was destruction and pain. And I feel like we can all relate with that. But then it continues on, and it says that in Psalms 127, it says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. God gives rest to his loved ones. And I love this passage because it just really reminds us that our focus and our attention on things apart from him, whether it's our work, whether it's anything else apart from him, will eventually fade away. That's just how life is. And the fact we will fade away from dust we came and to dust we will return. That's just how life is. We're doomed to die from our very birth. But... But in the Lord, there is this satisfaction, there is fulfillment, because he lasts forever. He is eternal. So that is where our hope and our life should come from, from the God who is eternal, from the author of life, from the one who created heaven and earth. In him is where we should find this fulfillment. And this is what the the book of Ecclesiastes talks about. And it's a bit of a depressing book because the teacher is looking for meaning to life. He's on this great journey to find what is this all about. So he seeks pleasure. So he does a bunch of stuff that he, he thinks he gets married a bunch of times. He has a bunch of houses and he just balls out for a little while. And then he's just left so empty left so broken. So then he's like, okay, I'm going to try wisdom. So then he learns a bunch of stuff. Uh, He tries work, so he works a ton. And by the end of the book, he comes to the conclusion that all of this is meaningless. It's all vanity. It's all breath. Gone. But he encourages the youth to set their eyes on the Lord now, not when they're older, now, because in him is this hope. In him There is only true fulfillment and true wholeness. And that's the conclusion of the book, is that everything else fades away but the Lord. And I think that speaks to us today in the sense that everything that we might chase after and our focus and our attention, if it's not completely on God, it's going to fade away. And not that trying to have financial security and all of those things are bad things, but if that's the whole of our focus... I think that we need to shift our perspective. And this is something that I've needed to do a ton in my life because oftentimes I try to seek, uh, my my default behavior is try to seek validation from people. So when I'm not feeling so good, I'm like, oh, I got to get people to like me or I got to work harder. I got to be something. I got to try to be something so I don't feel so meaningless or so useless inside. So that's a bit of my default behavior. But when, when I find myself doing that, I have to be like, no, Josue. It's only in God, it's only in Him is that true peace, that true fulfillment. And I think it's important for us to remember that and to live that out and to seek after the Lord. So that's why we cry out to Him because it's only from Him does our help come from. And this is what Psalms 121, 1-4 speaks through. It says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. So I think this passage is really cool because it shows us that, okay, that we should cry out to the Lord. Yes, 
That's a good thing. But the amazing, the amazing thing is God wants to meet us too. We're not just left high and dry, searching and grasping and begging and waiting and waiting. He's actually searching for us too. He watches over his people. He does not slumber. Our help comes from him who made heaven and earth. He has this intimate relationship with us. He wants this intimate relationship with us because he made us. He's the one who formed us in our mother's womb. He's the one who gave us breath. He's the one who created the trees and the nature and everything in this world that he declared that was good. So he wants to be here. He wants us to draw near to him because he wants to meet us there. He wants to meet us where we're at. So God is vigilant for those in his care. For those of you who are are wondering if you think that you're not good enough, God wants to meet you exactly where you're at. If you think that you've gone too far, you're exactly who God is looking for. He wants to bring you into his family and into his fold because he's not slumbering. He's out there actively looking and searching for you. And I love that last verse because it says, okay, he doesn't, he never slumbers or sleeps. And at that time in the ancient Near East, there was a bunch of, uh, there was a bunch of gods, all right? And Yahweh was the God of the Israelites. And uh, one of the predominant deities of the time was Baal. And Baal was the God of the rain and the weather and stuff like that. So he, he to them, he, he was important because they thought that if they prayed to him, then the weather would be good and everything. But the thing is, Baal would take these fat naps, all right? So I guess he would get tired from all his godliness and then fall asleep for a while. And then the, his followers believed that they'd have to wake him up. So they'd do all sorts of sacrifices and do all sorts of shenanigans to hopefully get Baal to wake up from his slumber to pay attention to them, to maybe bring the rain so their crops could grow. But Yahweh, the true and living God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who made the heavens and the earth, is saying, no, I'm not like Baal. I'm not slumbering. I'm not sleeping. I'm here. I'm vigilant. I'm watching. And I'm with you in your coming and your going. So that means, let's say we do mess up. And let's say we do fix our eyes on other stuff. God is seeking after us. He hasn't given up on us. We have this hope. We have this eternal hope in this Lord that we have, Yahweh. It's not about how good we are or having it all together. Yes, we, we should strive to live like Jesus, but when we mess up, we can have grace and hope. And this is something that David reflected on in some of his other Psalms, and specifically in Psalm 51, I think 17. He, t- he reflects about how God does not want these empty sacrifices. He does not want these empty shenanigans like Baal wanted. What he did want was a broken and repentant spirit. And David mentions how the Lord will not reject a broken and repentant spirit. This is what the Lord wants. He wants us to come before him, not thinking we have it all together but to come before him in need and saying, Lord, I need you, and he meets us where we're at. See, the thing is, Jesus didn't come for the religious elite when he came down on this earth. No, he came for the prostitutes. He came for for the poor. He came for the needy, the lepers. That's who he was with. So he wants to meet you where you're at, even in your brokenness. This is just who God is. And Psalms 86, 15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. 
See, we can look at the Old Testament and say, oh, God was an angry God. No, this is the Old Testament. This is still who he is. This is his character, and it's repeated throughout. And when we look on this, I think we can have strength and mercy, and, and, and we can just see that, okay, there is a greater hope than the things that we might be looking at right now, the things that we might spend our time doing, that there might be more than that. And so first important thing to do, and we can learn from these pilgrims, is to cry out to the Lord. That's the first point that I was talking about. And the amazing thing is that God meets us where we're at. But another, amazing, another great thing that we can do and we can learn from these pilgrims is to remember what God has done, to remember who he is. Because when we do that, I feel like that increases our faith and our hope in him. When we remember his faithfulness, we look back on his character, we look back on who he is, I think that impacts us and, and helps us to be at peace knowing that he'll be with us. And this is something that the, that the psalmist invites the pilgrims to do in Psalms 124, 1-8. It says, what if the Lord had not been by our side? Let all Israel repeat, what if the Lord had not been by our side when people attacked us? They would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us. A torrent would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord, who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken, and we are free. Our help is from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. So as they took time and they, they reflected on who God was, and the psalmist is, is asking the pilgrims to do that when they look back on what God has done for them, maybe in their personal life, but also what he did for them as a people, they could be at rest knowing that this is who God is, that he is faithful to his people. He keeps his covenant the covenant that he made with Abraham, with Moses, he's keeping that. He's not letting them high and dry. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, the people are, are exhorted to look back on what God has done. Because when they look back, especially what happened in Egypt, they see, they see God's faithfulness. And in Egypt, this is where God revealed his name, the I Am. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. And this speaks to his everlasting nature. This speaks to how he keeps his covenant. When they look back on that, they see, okay, I might be struggling right now, but God is going to be with me. He is faithful. He is faithful to me. So that's why it's important for us to look back on God, to look back on the things that he has done in our lives, to increase our faith, but not only to increase our faith, but to increase our love for him to increase our desire to be in his presence because when we're with him, nothing else matters. Nothing else compares to him. If he truly is who he says to be, if Jesus truly did what he did, that should shape and capture our very essence and should be the motivation that we have. And I know that's a hard thing to do and this is something that I've struggled with a ton. And even while I was writing this message, I was like, okay, I, I want to do it because I don't want to mess up or look like an idiot. But then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's not what this is about. This is about Yahweh moving and touching his people and calling out hearts to him. 
And it can be so easy to get uh, astray from that, but that's why we're called to look back on who he is, to inspire that faith within us, to look upon the God of our grace, the God of our salvation, to look upon our beautiful Savior who was pierced for our iniquities, who was pierced so that we could have forgiveness of sin, so that we could be made new in his image, and that we would not be a caricature that sin has brought down on us, but that we could actually live how we ought to be in who he is and his goodness and his faithfulness that only he can transform us into death, into life. Only he can do that. So that's why it's important for us to look back on who he is and his goodness and his faithfulness to him because only in him can we find true satisfaction, true freedom, true wholeness. It's in God. So I think with all of that, that should lead us to the third thing that we could learn from these pilgrims and from these psalms, and that is to praise the Lord, to praise the Lord. And I know I mentioned Psalms 134, but I want to read through that again here because I think it really speaks to, to the heart of this. And it says, Oh, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, you who serve at night in the house of the Lord. Lift your hands towards the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the, may the Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Jerusalem. And I think the amazing thing from that is we don't have to journey to Jerusalem to praise the Lord and to be in his presence. Because of what Jesus has done, the Lord is inside of us. We are the temple and he wants to meet us where we're at. He wants to come and, and dwell within us. So I think that should lead us and, and be the catalyst of our praise to look back on what he has done and to thank him for his faithfulness. And I think when we praise him, we remember that it's not about us. It's not about Josué and what he desires. It's about the Lord, the living God, the one who made heaven and earth. It's about him. And when we put our focus and attention on him, I feel like that lifts a burden that we don't have to carry anymore. We don't have to try and to grasp. We can be still and know. We can find rest, and that's why we're called to look back on him and to praise him and to thank him. Because in that place of submission, we know who God is and his faithfulness to us. And I think that should give us joy because this is good news. What God has done for us is great news. We can find rest, and we can take that to the bank. And I think that's so awesome. So these psalms should really inspire us to live like this, to live in, in, a, in a heart that's continually crying out, Abba, Father, in a heart that's continually crying out to the Lord for our help, for our hope, and to remember what he has done. And your devos this week, Take some time and journal. Look back through maybe journals you've written about the things God has done in your life. Meditate on that. Think about who you used to be and how Jesus may, might have changed you from who you used to be and where you are now. I think there's something powerful about that. I think it inspires faith and love. And also, let that remembrance bring you to a place of praise a place of adoration and of submission to who God is because only in him are we truly going to find what we're looking for. The, the peace, the validation, the fulfillment is only going to be in the author of life, the one who gave us very breath. It's only in him. So my encouragement for you guys this morning is to continually seek after him and to not give up when you stumble, when your eyes veer off to somewhere else 
to not get stuck in shame in that, but to look back on the God who has made you and formed you. And this is something that I've struggled with in my own life. I look at my sinfulness and my brokenness. I'm like, oh God, how could I ever look back on you again? Sometimes it takes time, but when I go back on my knees and I, and I look back on who he was, it just takes everything else away. So wherever you're at right now, if you think you're too far, God wants to meet you where you're at. He wants to be the fulfillment. He wants to be your everything because he is everything. He is everything. He is Yahweh, the eternal one. So set your eyes on him. Put your focus on him. Seek out his presence where everything else fades away. So as the worship team comes up, I just want to end off in prayer here. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness, that you are who you say that you are, that your testimony is true. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. You were pierced and bruised for our sins. You wore a crown of thorns for us so that we could be made new. But now you have ascended into the heavens with a crown of glory and majesty. We want to look up to you, our hope, our strength, our fulfillment. We want to put our eyes on you and nothing else. Lord, I pray that you would envelop everybody here and that everything else would fade away but you that you would bring them to a place of fulfillment and peace that only you can bring, and that we would set our eyes on you and worship you because of who you are, Lord. So come and have your way. Let your will be done, not ours. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.